Greetings, hard and heavy music fans, and welcome to ep- oh, fuck. <coughs> Good one, Dante. Hell of an intro. I know. All right. Uh, once again. Hard and heavy music fans, and welcome to episode 10 of the Heavy Haystack Podcast. A podcast about all things heavy music for music fans like you. I'm your host, Joe. You might pull that off the table there. Alright, I'm gonna put that right back there. Okay. And continuing back with this intro. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> Classic. I almost knocked our audio interface off of the little mini uh pottery plant table that I have it sitting on right now. Yeah, moms have a lot of these tables. Uh, anyway, I was saying this is episode 10, and uh, this is a very special episode that we have uh, going for you all today. Uh, David, uh, Mr. David Andrew Langley is back here with me again. Say hello, David. <laughs> well, hello. I already kind of <laughs> interjected here. Uh, yeah, this is like two years in the making, almost. It yeah. seems like, I don't know if it's been two years, but it seems like it's been fucking forever. Yeah, this is a very special album ranking episode uh, where, uh, I, where we will be ranking... Our top five albums from a certain band. Uh, basically, it's talking about our connection with the band, uh, to saying what the top five for each of us shall be, and essentially debating the differences from there, pretty much. Yeah, and then, uh, I mean, this is a universally liked band, so everything should be positive after my le- my first episode of shit on everything we talked about. Uh who but cares we did about we, sleep token. Yeah, right. Who <laughs> fucking imagine dragons is the tits. Uh but it's one of the well, I don't know. I guess we didn't even talk that much about them. I went on the fucking go Jerry tangent when we started talking about them, but tell tell the people who who we're discussing today, Dante. Well, today we're talking about a little known band that eh, I don't know if many people in the metal world know about. A little known band called Mastodon. Little known band Named after a tiny animal. Very tiny <laughs> animal. Uh, if, for those, if you're reading the episode, you probably you already know, because I'm going to title the episode with the damn band name, so I don't know why we're playing Koi. But, uh, that's, what, that's what people do, don't they? It is what people do. It's what smart people do. But uh, if you picked, if you clicked on this episode, uh, you probably already know who the band is. And if you clicked on this episode without knowing who the band is, uh, kudos to you because you're clicking on it because you're following the podcast, and that is a real cool thing. And you're about to get two shitty ass opinions under discography, <laughs> pretty much. But just in case you don't happen to know who the hell Mastodon is, uh, a are you a Gen Z kid who just got in the metal yesterday? That is very loud in the microphone, <laughs> in the microphone opening that beard, dude. You might want to zip some of that before it spills out. Yeah, that's that's <sighs> like true professionals. We are drinking alcoholic beverages while we do this episode because that's what the professionals. Do. I'm eating dinner. I don't know what you're talking about. Eating dinner, like you drinking your bread, your bread calories there. Uh. Not sponsored by West Six IPA, but hey, if anybody there's listening, hey, like we support local. If uh, somebody at West Six wants to pay for some uh, sponsor time, I, we will gladly uh, shill for I'm you guys. Pretty sure I've spent thousands of dollars on your product. So I, I like me some West Six too. Big fan of the Cocoa Porter, actually. Big fan of that. They need to. Uh, they need to uh, 
can or well, I guess they only do cans. They need to can up that Castlewood Dark IPA. It's my it's a beer after my uh, childhood neighborhood. So <laughs> we take pride in our uh, local uh, breweries here. See, we're asking for sponsorship now. We're bossing them around. Uh, anyway. Can my beer? Damn it! <laughs> but uh, anyway, like I was saying, like we're talking about Macedon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Getting off topic already, and we're just four minutes into the episode. Yeah. So Macedon is a metal band f- formed in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, in the year two thousand. Uh, they were one of the leading. Are they're still around? Not were are uh, one of the leading bands of the new wave of American heavy metal. Uh, known for their mixture of sludge metal, progressive metal, and hard rock into all the different styles of music that they do. You could throw psychedelic in there. They have a lot of psychedelic elements to them, too. You could throw a lot in there. They're a very multi-genre, multi-faceted band. Definitely the beauty of of this particular band. Uh, They're one of the most critically acclaimed metal bands of the 21st century. Uh, They have... Their records have received a whole lot of awards, a whole lot of attention. They've won at least one Grammy for uh, one of their records. I think it was on uh, Emperor of Sand, if I remember correctly. And they really are a band that's beloved by the metal world as a whole pretty well. People have their different favorite records, different uh, periods of the band that they like more than others. But generally, they're still very well liked and respected. That's why this episode works, though. Because they have so much. It's a good starting point for this type of series before we get into bands that we disagree on a little more and get into the nitty gritty of starting to hate on stuff. Yeah, so like when we came up with this concept, it was immediately like, I don't know, I don't know why we didn't think about it really too hard at all. We're like, let's do Mastodon first. And it just was like, yeah, let's do Mastodon first two years ago. Was very like keep harping on that. (laughs) Yeah, Mastodon was a very easy choice for both of us because they're amongst both our favorite bands. In fact, like part of this uh, whole thing that we're going to do, besides introducing the band, which that's a good enough intro, I'd say. Y'all know who Mastodon is uh, if you're clicking on this episode this early into the podcast history. Uh, But I say I'll let David go first. What is your history with the band Mastodon? I was a wee little lad. Uh, so and dramatic. actually, I really fucking was, man. Uh, I was 13 the first time I saw him. And just to give a little backstory on that, when I got into the heavy music genre, I was pretty much my gateway drug was, was Ozzy. Uh, so when little kid me decides that I want to play music and go to heavy metal concerts and shit like that, the natural uh, place to go in the early 2000s would be a little festival called Ozfest. Can't go wrong with Ozfest. And uh, I the, never got to go. And the year I went, um, the mighty Mastodon was uh, was there, and they were actually they have a distinction. More beers opening. They have a distinction of being like. The first band I actually got close to a stage for. I'd been to a few concerts before that where I like either had seats or like we sat up in the balcony. Like my dad took me to quite a few, but Ozfest was very early on in my concert going life. Uh, and yeah, my dad fucking took me to Ozfest and let my 13 year old ass just walk around and do whatever I wanted essentially. Uh, this is the first time I was offered to smoke weed in public. Uh, That's was a nice milestone. During their set. Good band to do that with, too. Uh, I had bought the CD Leviathan leading up to the concert, 
I didn't listen to it a whole lot. And I didn't listen to it a whole lot afterwards. It was kind of interesting, but the 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 vision in my head that stands out and why I got kind of hooked into him, which, you know, as a bass player and vocalist, it's funny that it's not Troy Sanders. It was uh, Ron Daler. Uh, he had the Randy Rhodes drum kit at the time, which was the polka dotted kit that had fucking Randy Rhodes. I remember that. Randy, <laughs> I remember seeing that. In one Randy of Rhodes on the kick drums and... Again, the gateway drug into heavy music being Ozzy. So I'm looking at this new fucking thing that I've never watched before live, and they got my favorite guitar player to this day. Randy Rhodes is God, my favorite guitar player on the planet. Like, obviously gone way too soon, but those two. R.I.P. Randy Rhodes. Not to go too much on an Ozzy tangent, but those two Ozzy records are probably two of my top. 10 records of all time by far and so like i said seeing a band that i could connect with just from that standpoint i, I, I saw that drum set and i was able to be like hell yeah um and i dug them like i said i got close to the stage i was probably like 15 20 people back people trying to hand me weed mosh pits breaking out and i'm a little kid in a parking lot trying not to die a heat stroke because <laughs> <laughs> it was hot as fuck uh, and fun fact black sabbath had to cancel because ozzy was sick so my first Ozfest experience was not great, great from that standpoint. First Ozfest was Oz free. Uh, yeah, I saw a lot of cool bands that day, including Mastodon. Uh, but it was probably six months to a year later, uh, about a year later. Uh, the Unholy Alliance tour came through Cincinnati, and I also remember this show because we were trying to get into the arena, and the most gnarly fucking thunderstorm. Was just rolling the fuck in, and it was like, God damn, I hope we get the inside. Rolls. And then once you were inside the arena, you could still hear the storm going on outside. But the Unholy <laughs> Alliance tour was Slayer, uh, Lamb of God, Children of Bodom, Mastodon, and a band called Thine Eyes Bleed, which was the cousin of Tom Araya. Oh, I never heard of that one. Ah, they didn't last very long. <laughs> oh. I, don't, I don't think they put out any records except for the one they like, – maybe I'm wrong, but they, they weren't around very long. But by the time I saw them at that show, I was already a fucking fan. So like when they were playing all the hits off of Leviathan and uh, whatnot, um, I'm in my seats fucking scaring my dad from convulsing and headbanging so damn hard to to, to the Mastodon <laughs> set. Uh, fast forward a few years later, they were playing in Lexington. Me and my sister pulled up to Buster's trying to go to a show on the Crack the Sky tour. Sold out. Crack the sky. First time I ever tried to go to a show in Kentucky that was sold out at the door. I was like, sex shit. So they were already fucking ascending, like, beyond uh, pretty much any band I was listening to at the time that was new. Because, like I said, not a lot of shit came to Lexington either. But, <laughs> so there was that. And then, fast forward years later, uh, me and you saw them at Louder in Life. Um so, for the most part, I mean, like I said, I've been a band that I've been listening to from my very primitive days of getting into heavier music. I was very much an 80s kid when I started listening to shit. The Ozzy's, Judas Priest, and Motley Crue's of the world. So, I got a 17-year history with this band. And, uh, gone in and out. I ain't gonna lie. Uh, I probably dipped out for a good amount of time and then Towards the end of theories going in the storm talker, I kind of got really back into it. Uh, I was always aware of what was going on. I always listened to everything that was going on, but I was not as big into them for a while. But 
now they just just they just let they've persevered time and like I said, going back and especially with this deep dive, it's like man, there's there's so much good shit here. So it's gonna be a very positive. <laughs> uh, a whole lot of feel good vibes on this episode yeah, involving Mastodon for sure. And uh, so yeah, uh, that's about all I can say as far as background and stuff. Um, just being blown away by Brand Daler, honestly. Bron, Brand, what the how the fuck you say? It's Bron. Bron, see. I love him so much, I say his name wrong. <laughs> but, but yeah, uh, I've always allowed myself to be inspired by other musicians and the instrument I play, and he's one of those guys. Um, standout, standout fucking drummer, and probably the reason why I fucking got into him as much as I did early on. That is always a good one, love, like, Basically, it's sort of interesting that like Bron Daler was the one that really got you into the band, considering that like your basis, you would expect somebody with a good basis, which Mastodon has a great basis to Troy Sanders. Uh, as far as like, it's sort of interesting though, like out of the band, like he's known as a great basis, but instrumentally, he's kind of known like the least for his playing out of everybody in the band. And even the interviews, he kind of like makes himself as the guy that's kind of like tries to keep everything level. Where because everyone else is just playing crazy around him, he's like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna be the heart that keeps this uh, train on course." I mean, when you got that kind of tell, you just gotta serve the songs, man. Yeah, and all good basses do that. Oh, for my that's why I'm terrible because <laughs> <laughs> you have to stand down. I'm leading this charge, motherfuckers. I'm, I'm, I'm David Langley, Langley motherfuckers. Yeah, David Andrew Langley. David Andrew Langley. Put that full name on Facebook <laughs> like a chode. Uh, <laughs> But I say for my uh, for my like journey and like getting into Mastodon, uh, it's really like most bands that are like notable, well known, and really with like most things in the music world and the metal world in general, I get into things late. I got into everything after it's already been well established, well known, and well like trodden. Uh, but I got into them in t- around my early twenties, I would say. Uh, which would have been around like 2011, 2012 period, I would say. Uh, I think that when I really got into them proper, it might have been a little bit later. It would have been at least after 2014, because I think I got into them after Once More Around the Sun album was already out. And I do remember the first thing that I heard from them. I think I heard Blood and Thunder already, because if you're into metal, generally, you... Uh, at any point, like after that came out, you probably heard that song somewhere. I don't well, know if I heard it from. A... Do you remember when the cable networks had like the on-demand mu- music videos? On yes, it? that's. I've discovered so much through those, and might have been on those. Blood actually. and Thunder was literally never not on that list of music videos. Yeah, that's how I discovered Hatebreed. It's how I discovered In This Moment. It's how I discovered Nile of Behemoth for me. Yeah, like, uh, there was a lot of bands I discovered from when we had like the satellite cable thing. Uh, that was definitely how I got into Hatebreed, for sure. I won't go on that tangent. That'll be for another episode yeah. down the line. Uh, but with, uh, I remember the first song. I remember I got into Blood and Thunder and added it to, at the time, like whatever iPods or like Zunes or whatever we were using back then, uh, pre-Spotify days, uh, when I had like that put on a playlist somewhere. But I remember like when I first started checking out uh, music videos of the band, uh, I didn't realize that they were using multiple vocalists uh, with the group. Because something I've always been a fan of bands that use multiple vocal setups. Because one of my first bands that I really got into was Linkin Park. And that was the band that really got me into the whole multi-vocal dynamic. 
uh, which led to me really liking that dynamic in current band Stormtoker and any other bands that like have a multi vocal setup. Oh, they, this was a huge influence. Like we talked about it from day one. It's like, man, we when we were talking about like what the fuck we were gonna do. Uh, keep keep looking out for this interface. Might might want to just pull the table a little closer to you there, Dante. Uh, yeah, sorry, we're not having technical issues, but we're just trying to avoid. We're the trying to avoid ones. the technical issues. Uh, Pollen. Well, fuck yeah, that was early shit. Now I don't get fucking distracted. But yeah, now that was a that was definitely something we discussed a lot early on. Was like, man, like, what do we want to do with this new band and. The multi-vocal attack, we referenced Mastodon so often in those early days, and uh, still do. I mean, every time, and they've only gotten more and more interesting with how they approach that, so. Yeah, like, Mastodon's definitely a uh, common thread through the Stormtoker camp, a band that we're all, like, both influenced by and huge fans of. And uh, part of something that got to me, like, I was already, like, drumming in a band by this point for a good while. And uh, I always been a fan of like strong drummers, of course, but also drummers who are vocalists as well uh, was always like a big uh, influence and thing of interest for me because I'm into a lot of bands that do that. Code Orange, uh, Seven Dust, Atreyu, and many other bands that you have singing drummers. Which means you got into them at the perfect time. Yes, I got into them to a great time because the first music video that I saw uh, was it wasn't the first album that Bron Daler, drummer from Mastodon, started singing, but it was on The Hunter for their song D- Dry Bone Valley. And I watched, they had a live video for it from uh, one of their, I think it was like gone hand in hand with one of their live DVDs they were doing at the time. And they were uh, doing a song, and Bron Daler does uh, harmony vocals on that one while drumming. Uh, it's pretty complicated, that shit. Uh, which was pretty impressive. And the song has like real strong hook and catchiness. And that was one that really stuck with me. I remember just going down the rabbit hole of Mastodon music videos on YouTube, like just basically like absorbing all stuff. And besides just being good musicians have really unique and quality music videos. One of the uh, metal bands around that actually puts some real effort into the music videos as well that around these days. Yeah. They, they're always really solid on that front. Yeah. And then just another note, on, cause this is actually what I was going to say before you tried to drop our damn interface again. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, if you paid attention to like their records and who was guest spotting on a lot of those records, you could get into a lot of fucking fantastic bands that way. Cause they definitely, uh, Utilize Neil Fallon from Clutch. They utilize Josh Homme from Queens of the Stone Age, and then uh, old buddy from Neurosis, Scott Kelly from Neurosis, who's sadly fallen from grace these days. Well, (laughs) you know, but I'm just saying there 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 was a wide web of influence that if you got into Mastodon, you all of a sudden had like a new fucking book of bands to go look into because they they did the collaboration thing pretty cool. Yeah, they were good with the collaborations, and like that was like. It was a real good gateway to a lot of stuff. Like, uh, Mastodon was a band I really got into, like, because I basically any band that mixes together, like, heavy riffs with, like, strong, hooky, melodic vocals and multi part vocal harmonies is an easy sell for me. And I got into all the music. Like, I got into, like, at the time, uh, Once More Around the Sun had just freshly released when I was, like, really getting into them proper. And around the time that I was first started doing uh, album reviews, uh, way back when I was still doing like written reviews, I remember uh, was when Emperor of Sand came out, uh, twenty seventeen, I believe that was, and that uh, was 
that was like the most first time that I was like anticipating an album that hotly for a band in a good while. Like there's only, I remember there was like two really pivotal moments when I was like exp- anticipating an album and like checking out day one. It was like that one with Emperor Sand and also uh, Slipknot with Psychosocial. First time I ever bought a record day of release. Uh, and that was. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, suck on it. Like, no, <laughs> no, like I'm not, I'm not, I'm not laughing at the band. I'm just like, fuck. Our all hope is gone. That was the album. Not the song Psychosocial. Was I probably did that around. I actually, for what it's worth, you know, the Aussie connection, the uh, Black Label Society Mafia. I got the day before it came out because my dad had to hook up a CD Central. Nice. So, but that that was thirteen year old me around that time too, and of course another Ozfest band, and I, I bought a lot of Ozfest CDs around that time. So, yeah, but that one like uh yeah like, like I said I'm like late to everything. Back in high school, I was still stuck in uh new metal and butt rock territory as far as for a lot of my uh, musical interests. Uh, I was slow. I'm. Black guy who grew up in a black household where, like, my sister liked Linkin Park and that was her only rock band. And my brother-in-law said, that's white people music. So, <laughs> there was, like, I wasn't exposed to a lot growing up in South Chicago originally. See, that's what's funny. My sister would listen to, like, Slipknot and shit. And, like, my my kid ass, like, appreciated what my dad and shit was into. What? Like, I don't like that screaming shit. <laughs> Here we go. Fucking... Twenty four years later, and I'm yelling into microphones at people all over the uh, greater Kentucky area. <laughs> I would say bigger area, but we're working on it. Oh God, we've been seen in other states and in the region of the U.S. Um, uh, but yeah, that's uh, it's pretty much a good spot to kind of discuss what we're gonna do here. Yeah, uh, essentially, what we're gonna do here with the plan is that. Uh, Starting this episode, we're going to start with David, but we'll be alternating who will go first. Uh, we're each going to be talking about our top five albums from the band in question, starting from our fifth album going up to our number one album uh, pick for them. Alternating back and forth, and we'll discuss uh, we'll discuss like why that album is ranked where it is, uh, why do we like it, and go basically just going to list building up to each of our number ones. And... Uh... On top of that, we've predicted each other's list. Yes. So, uh, which after we like go through what our lists are, we'll like see what our predictions were and how accurate they wound up. And being. we've not shared this with each other, so yeah, we we're, we're we're not trying to tip our hat by discussing the predictions ahead of time. We'll go over that after we go through the top five, and then and fuck who knows we might interject with it, but the idea is to go with it after the fact. <laughs> Uh, and then we'll get into our omissions, why things didn't quite add up to our, our personal top fives. Yeah, what albums fell out of the top five. And then uh, we're going to do what I, I'm just going to call it the ultimate dud of any discography that we discuss. The ultimate dud. Yeah, like if, if we if we have a legitimate least favorite record, we'll, we'll talk about it. And uh, spoilers, we have one on, on this one. That's the only bit of negativity we're probably going to get, though. And even then, I don't think we hate the record. It's just... It's just the least goodest yeah. in this in this episode. There's definitely going to be a stinker, multiple stinkers on future episodes, for sure. And then we're going to get a final grade on the uh, overall discography. Uh, and then we'll, we'll... We'll find a way to archive all this shit, probably, somehow. Uh, keep up with it. Like, I would say that probably as we post these episodes, probably post what we've said about other bands and just kind of 
keep it going. Yeah, we'll have like we'll have a history saved of these where like we see like our comparisons of stuff. And then uh we'll end up uh we are gonna choose the next episode at the end of it. So yes. which we're gonna like pick the at the end of it we've uh we both picked three bands. Yes, we each picked three bands, uh brought them on a piece of paper, dropped them in a hat, we're gonna shake it up and we will pick a band for the next episode of this. And if you're following this on your like podcast uh, host of choice or following us on social media, uh, you can also drop comments for suggestions of bands that could possibly be discussed in future episodes. Uh, so with all of that said, say that we should probably get right into it with uh, David going first with his number five pick for fifth favorite Mastodon album. <laughs> this one was actually the biggest surprise of my list when it originally came out i it was kind of the point where i jumped out when as i referenced earlier i kind of went into a lull with mastodon and when i'm discussing mastodon has distinctive areas i think that is very true they are very diverse band with a lot of stuff and this kicked off the era that I would say became their hooky era. I think I might know what this record is. Uh, my number five is the Hunter. That all right? I wasn't. That's that's kind of surprising, actually, for me. Okay. Well, and I can't get into my omissions yet, but we'll discuss about this one. Man, when I listen, and honestly, it was today. Uh, I listened to a few records that were on the edge. Um, and I was like really trying to think about it and this was out of my top five the entire time and we've been discussing doing this episode for fucking two years and so it's been on my mind like what the fuck we're going to do and how I'm going to rank them and whatever never would have put this one in my top five I realized today I just like so many more of the songs than I ever fucking thought and just on top of that I just think it was a very good progression into the hooky part of their careers um, I mean the opener, fucking black tongue. Um, we've been making fun of curl the pearl all day, <laughs> but honestly, it's a catchy fucking. The curl of the pearl. It's a catchy ass song. I mean, the hunter's fucking great. Drybone Valley's great. Um, I just when I was listening to the record, I was just front to back. I was like, man, there's there's nothing to hate here. But at the time that it came out, it came out after. You know, Levite and Blood That was Mountain their transition period. And and the sky. A lot of people fell off then. Yeah. And uh, I just think now in retrospect and actually going back and sitting down and listening to it, I was like, man, this album just, it's fun. It's a fun ass album. And um, of the of that era, I mean, the, it's not going to, yeah, as I was gonna say, it's hard not to try to talk about the other stuff. Right. <laughs> so I'm going to probably cut myself off here uh but yeah no like i said i had no idea that this was going to be in my top five and i've told people for years this is my least favorite mastodon record uh because of the reasons like it was just the transition i wasn't quite ready and into it especially at the time that it came out which 2011 i would have still been very much so in just heavy territory thrash death metal you would have been uh what 19 when this came out yeah so like i was still kind of on my heavy trajectory of like let me listen to fucking faster stronger whatever louder and uh 
So like I said, at the time, it turned me off completely. But as a almost 31-year-old dude now, it hits all my pleasure points. And I, I, I fucking, like I said, last night I was talking to my buddy Andrew. And I was like, I was kind of shitting on it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but that's not even. That's but I was having a hard time with number five. Like the rest of them, I didn't really have a hard time with. Uh, f- like four through six was hard for me. Uh, but this one kind of just surged at the end. I was like, man, I, I'm I'm going to put it there. So there you go, number five, the hunter. Number five, the hunter, Dave's. What is five. what is number five for Senor Dante? Uh, my number five. It really wasn't my number five. I actually had this album ranked higher originally when we first were talking about this, uh, doing this type of podcast, and it was on my list. Uh, this was one that was ranked higher originally, but just similar to you, uh, I've been doing my re-listens of the records, going through their whole discography, re-listening stuff, and this one dropped a few spaces, not necessarily because of uh, this. I felt any less about this one, uh, but more so, I just felt stronger about like other records as I got around to like re-listening to some other ones. Uh, but my number five uh, mass on record is their official studio debut, Remission. Uh, with Remission, this is an album that is it's kind of like a good showing of like why Mastodon got so popular so quickly because it's definitely the right type of debut record for a band. Because it's something that hits you immediately in the face with crushing riffs, like right from the get-go. That's kind of the thing with uh, Remission, and part of the reason why I love it so much is that it's just Riff City the entire time. And especially during the era of metal, during the early 2000s, this came out in 2002. And this is like the resurgence of like the new wave of he- American heavy metal, and basically like a lot of metal fans, younger metal fans, getting appreciating classic stuff. And the newer bands are inspired by classic stuff as well. And Mastodon just had a strong mixture of everything. They had like they had the downtuned sludginess that the that was popular with kids that were coming out of the new metal era, while also having the thrash edge and like kind of progressive edge that like uh, newer bands that were getting popular at the time were also uh, very like wieldy in. and. They're also like something else about this record that I like is that like Mastodon's probably one of my favorite bands who are naming songs because like, Mother Puncher. Like they have the best <laughs> song names of any band I know of, hands down. Crusher Destroyer is the opening track on this fucking album. Uh fucking like Crusher Destroyer, March of the Fire Ants, Workhorse, fucking Trampled Under Hoof. <laughs> it's, it's just like titles that you'll hear yeah, fucking metal, brother. Yeah. Like it's, oh, that's it's by far their heaviest outfit. Yes, and let's then have the riffs and songs and aggression on this record. The match, it's it's one that you don't really need to. This is probably the only mass on record I would say where you don't have to do re-listens to really get into it proper. It's where like the riffs hit you so immediately if you're a fan of heavy music that it's just gonna get grab you from the get go. And I remember, I think I remember texting the group chat or somebody at one point and i was like god damn this motherfucker just riffs front to back yes uh and i mean that's by far i mean that's the most endearing part it, it's it just fucking riffs if you're just a, if you just love like strong metal riffs this album has it in spades and the fact that this is like what they came out the gate with is so ridiculous that this is like their first taste they gave to the world really yeah like i said no fucking secret as the 
why it worked. Yeah, it's it, it was just a great like first first strike that the band had like onto the metal world, and also with like they didn't have a this was before they were like getting into concepts proper, but they did have. Uh, a little bit of their concept record thing going with they said that this has like a theme of fire and a lot of like animal themes with it too they had like the whole like uh horse on the cover and it was a lot about like animal being killed by animals was the theme common theme on this record it was the donkey show record the donkey show record that's a <laughs> i don't think that's a proper let me, let, let me get a mule job <laughs> a mule job jesus christ uh <laughs> Yeah, like, Remission, this is a real strong uh, first outing. I had this higher because of the immediacy of this album, but there was things I preached about it, some other records more, which we will get into when we get to those selections, I would say. But, uh, yeah, Remission is my number five Mastodon record. Uh, David, what is your number four? Cuatro. So, again, as I was saying, I struggle with four through six. Um, and actually... When I was talking about getting out of Mastodon, it was kind of happening already. And that kind of spoils what I'm going into here. Uh, the great s- fucking super long seven song fucking epic that is Crack the Sky. Um, That is... I'm kind of surprised. that Like, my... Just to say, like, so far, our predictions are shit. <laughs> Just when that. Oh, that yeah, thing. no, my number five wasn't. Uh, yeah, I, I I am not right so far. <laughs> uh, so, but Crack the Sky. Um, so, this is the record that I would have seen them live in Lexington if we were able to get into the fucking venue. And I don't know if I just got jaded. <laughs> and just. I couldn't see this album. Uh, well, dude, cycle. I mean, that's something that'll hook you. Uh, I've definitely 100% been like unsure of a lot of things and then I see it live and I'm just fucking, I'm enamored by it. Uh, at the time, I, 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 hard for me to say at the time just because it was so damn long ago. Um, but yeah, I, I don't, I guess I just never gave it the true attention that I wanted to because I remember listening to fucking The Hunter and being like, eh. You know, and not fucking liking it. Uh, this record, I just kind of feel like I went back much later. Like I, I don't know. Like I, I wouldn't like to say I skipped it, but like the singles didn't grab me necessarily a whole lot at the time. Right. But you know, when I go back and listen to it, and I think the the title tracks the the standout for me. Um. Yeah, crack the sky is my favorite. Um. I think first single was probably divinations uh i think oblivion was the first single all right either way i just i just was not grabbed at this record immediately uh but for seven songs at 50 fucking minutes which makes us look kind of amateur because uh, <laughs> i mean our, our last album was what seven at 46 45 something like that uh so maybe just at the time my attention span wasn't there. I mean, I, I like I said I'm just trying to. It's definitely a much more mature record. I, I'm trying some patience. Yeah, I'm trying. I'm trying to figure out what the fuck was my issue then. Uh, but man, when I listened to it here recently, uh, there's no lull. There's no, you know, you're not sitting there waiting for anything. Like those seven songs flow so perfectly. It's a top notch fucking record. And like I said, for me, it really hits a high point and cracked the sky. I think it builds all the way up to that point. And the last Baron's really good too. Um 
like I said, it's hard for me to say that much on it because I put it there on this recent listen and like I've gotten more into this record recently, but for whatever reason at the time, I just, like I said, and I think part of it might have just been not able to see it. Uh, and like I said, whether I, I was jaded then or not, I don't know. But uh, like I said, there's no low point on Crack the Sky. And for what their records were leading up to that point, um, this one was the most ambitious, I would it's say. Definitely up there. A lot of drugs are taken during uh, the making of this record, I'm sure. Well, so it's the most ambitious to that point, for sure. Um, and I guess I wasn't ready for it. But in 2023, again, as a 31-year-old old man, two records that I probably wouldn't have put in my top five are firmly there. So, and like I said, uh, it, it's it, it's a beautiful fucking piece of work. Uh, not my favorite album art. Really good album art, though. <laughs> uh but yeah, I mean, I, I can't. I want a wall flag of the album. Part say, of this. I, I can't really say much more on it because, like I said, I, I kind of. It, it was definitely a rec- the recent listens that got me higher on it. Um. But yeah, Crack the Sky is just one of the best songs in their fucking catalog, in my opinion. A whole lot of uh, emotion behind that, if you know the backstory behind the whole deal, too. And drop it on me because I don't. I have no idea. Well, essentially, this. Uh, of course, like with every Mastodon record, they have a, uh, especially the early ones, they, have, they were all concept records. And with this one, this has like the craziest of all their concepts, uh, where, the, where they both deal with the elemental theme and have a story attached to that theme. And this one was dealt with the concept of Aether, essentially stuff de- de- dealing with the spiritual realm, essentially. And this whole thing does uh, has like themes like talking about like story parts for the astral projection, uh, out-of-body experiences, and... A whole ball of like weird, spacey, like druggy stuff. Uh, yeah, as a as a druggy man. <laughs> but with the song uh, and album title specifically, "Crack the Sky," uh, "Sky" you'll notice spelled S K Y E, and that is the name of drummer Bron Daler's sister who died uh, when mm, they were teenagers. Okay, okay. And Bron Daler wrote a lot of the lyrics on this album, and it's basically this whole album acts as a tribute to his sister. Well, shit, if I, I, I probably read interviews on it and just fucking, it just pfft, lost in the database, but yeah, like I said, man, I, it's a, it's a hell of a piece of art, yes. uh, and that's how good their discography is. Cause we got three better than that. So <laughs> <laughs> Dante, what is your quattro? Well, for my quattro, uh, this is one, <clears throat> my quattro is one that, uh, this is one of the early records that I got into with Mastodon. It's uh, I got into around the time this record was freshly released. And it's also was a weird transitional period. I've had ups and downs with it over time. Like when I first listened to him, I was really high on it. <clears throat> when I first listened to it because it's my introduction to the band. And then as I listened to the rest of their discography, it got lower in my list because I started liking their other material better. And then as I like matured and got older as well, beginning in my thirties as well, I wound up appreciating it more once again. And that is their 2011 album, the Hunter, the one that you've already mentioned earlier. Nay, well, there you go. Uh, with the Hunter that this record is one that, uh, 
for a long time, I really only liked the few singles that were on it. Of course, Dry Bone Valley, which is one of the first songs we got into them. Uh, Curl of the Burl, which, <laughs> which I think was their first Grammy nomination. Uh, if I'm no, actually, I think Oblivion was their first. I fucking hated that song when it came out. <laughs> that that was the one, like that was the one where I was just like, this fucking album's rubbish. Suck my asshole. But now, I, like, I, I which it's very understandable. It's so fun. It's it's so fun now, though. Like, I, I just I, I love it now. I mean, that's understandable because, like, for a long time, Mastodon was like a metal band, metal band, where they either had like real heavy tracks, and even when they did go kind of melodic, it was still proggy, progressive. But like, Curl of the Burl. And really, this whole album, The Hunters, when they started going into the strong rock territory, where they were really trying to make shorter songs that were like simpler in composition and hookier songs, which makes it a really good entryway point for new fans, because like there's a lot more uh, instantly accessible stuff here. And pissed off us old fans. And pissed off the old fans, which that's often what I happens say when pissed fans off. Mature. I just like it's... because like really like overall fans still don't like have much hate for most of the records in their discography but <clears throat> like this still starts off with like heavy riffs with a black tongue which has a distinctly heavy mass sound riff the nice dark twin guitar harmony <laughs> this uh yeah because it has like black tongue and curl the barrels this one-two punch where it starts off with a track that sounds like classic mastodon and then curl the barrel which is like what the fuck is this stoner rocky queens of stone age bullshit uh, it also has like their proggy, spacey stuff too, even though it's done in uh, shorter doses. <laughs> Get it out, Dante. Uh, all right, I think <laughs> I'm thinking clear. <laughs> I took a goddamn like, like any nasal whatever the hell. Anyway, spit next time, Dante. Spit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they have proggy. <laughs> they have proggy songs on here still. That are nice and work that is still very appealing to classic Mastodon fans. It's not a wiener chug for you. It's a wiener rinse. Wiener rinse. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> this, uh. All right. Because they have songs like Stargasm and Blastroid, which are very much in the spacey realm. Uh, they have songs like Thickening, which also like have the weird... Uh, atmospheric tone to it. For me to hate this record, there was no fucking lull when I listened to it. Uh... I went. I went on a fucking fun ass ride earlier. So yeah, uh, yeah, like, it's a fifty three minute album, but there's thirteen songs in those fifty three minutes. Yeah, it goes by quick. Yeah, like when it was over. Like I, I remember like checking my phone, and it was like, oh, this is the last uh, the sparrow. Yeah, the sparrow. It's like, oh shit, I'm on the last song. And, like, I had no idea because like I saw how long it was, and like. Like I said, man, and this list has changed a lot since we've discussed this. Oh, yeah. like, but they bring the hits on this one still too, and it's really. I'm glad that like the part of the like the joy of doing like re-listens like this and like retrospectives and all that is that you get to like go back and discover new things. You might feel differently about uh, old music and old albums that you didn't like as much, but people change as they get older, and their taste and their ear for music changes as they get older as well. And this is kind of like gun to our head because we're doing the episode. Here, here in a month, I'm, I might hate this fucking record again. <laughs> that is possible, well, but no. Knows. But but generally speaking, yeah, it's just it, it it attracts to me so much more now than it did. I mean, art is supposed to like elicit or convey emotion, and this album's this really this whole discography since we've been doing these re-listens of for these recent albums, uh, it can change like at time because like we're constantly changing as individual mm-hmm. human beings. And when a band's this good this consistently i mean you're gonna find you're gonna find shit 
Yeah. And the fact that like you can have a band have so many good records where like what your favorites are can change and flip flop so much so frequently is a good sign. It makes it where like you're like you have different music for different moods and there's no hard set in stone uh order that like everybody agrees on or even you yourself agree on like for the entire history. But yeah, the hunter uh, is my number four uh, favorite album of theirs. Oh, and also just want to say once again with being best band and naming song titles, but Dazzled Fingernails is the title of a song on this record. Uh, just had to put that out there. So, <laughs> David, what is your number three Mastodon record? So my top three was pretty locked in. Uh, well, okay, I lie. <laughs> this one was locked into my top however many. Um. We're talking about that era right now, uh, when they got into the hooks and when they got into the just let's be really great songwriters. Uh, and the album to me that executed that better than any of them would be the uh, and what a wonderful fucking album cover. Once more around the sun. Once more around the sun. Uh, but side note. This album has the worst fucking Mastodon song in their discography. Really? Uh, Aunt Lisa. You didn't, oh, I know what part you're talking about. You, Fuck that chorus. You, the, are you talking the chorus with the, ch- with the hey, choir? Oh, let's <laughs> fucking go. I was re-listening to it today, and I was like, I forgot about this. Yeah. Well, <laughs> when... Hey, oh, let's go rock and roll. Yeah, I, I fucked that. Fuck. <laughs> Fuck that chorus. But the rest of this album, and uh, even then, that's catchy. It's pleasant on the ear, <laughs> but it's my least favorite Mastodon song. Uh, but otherwise, you're talking about Tread Lightly, The Mother Load, High Road, Asleep in the Deep, Ember City. Like, when you're talking about an album that if I'm going to fucking show somebody that's not even into the genre an album by Mastodon, this is going to be the one I go to. Good launching point. To it, like. It's so fucking catchy all the way through. Uh, and I would say, like, when I when we're talking about the eras, this one it, with the Hunter, Once More Around the Sun, and Emperor Sand, I'll lump them all together because they're all pretty similar in that standpoint. And like, but this one just reached a pinnacle for that, which might be a spoiler for where one of those albums ends up. Uh, but like I said, man, I, I, I've not necessarily, I didn't reject this album when it came out either. I, uh, kind of just was indifferent at first. And then like the more I listened and the more I listened, I was just like, man, this it's undeniable. It's the best songwriting. Um, you're just talking song to song, just fucking hit banger, banger, banger. And they, and I think it's just as far as catchy songs, this one front to back, man, it's, it's, it's a fucking your music videos are all great. Mastodon hit makers. Uh, I, the like, I like ass. I like ass a lot. <laughs> the the, the motherload. They were talking about the asses. But even like the, the psychedelic uh, sleep in the deep. Um, cats. Gotta love cats. Yeah, I mean psychedelic always. Psychedelic cats. I mean, I do now. I was not a cat guy, but Henry Bullshit Bartholomew. 
changed changed my life a little bit on that. That's his cat's name, people. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, man. Uh, besides besides the uh, ass stink that Aunt Lisa leaves on me, it was so it's bad. It was so bad. I didn't want to believe it was on this record. <laughs> Uh, so, but yeah, no, the worst Mastodon song of all time is on my number three record of all of Mastodon, uh, which just shows you how good this record is. Yeah, I mean, it shows you how good the discography is in general. Like, I, I'm shitting on something super hard, and it's my my third. Uh, but yeah, man, like I said, for for what what their career trajectory's been, man, this was almost like their perfect record. And I got two more to talk about, but. And I would say that my intro probably spoils those two, but (laughs) (laughs) good job, David, just giving away the goose. Well, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, but for where I'm at right now, like I said, that, that it's such a good album. And, uh, like I said, it it transcends metal. Like I could show that to anybody, I think, and they could fucking find something. So number three, once more around the sun, number three for David is Macedon's 2014 record once we're around the sun for me my number three uh this was the record that this is one i talked about a little bit early in the podcast uh where love is like one that first one that i was uh, anticipating this was the first record that was new to me that where i was already a fan of the band and this was the first record i got to be part of the hype coming out on like i watched all the youtube documentary videos talking about the record i watched like the little song teasers they had coming out of it and my hype was built up built up built up and the band did not disappoint once the album fully dropped and that is their 2017 album uh emperor of sand uh this record uh is really a strong one uh it's in their discography this is one of their most recent records it's the album that came out before the most recent one and Really, I felt like this was just like the band kind of like gelling into their modern era, essentially. Uh, they got into their modern era where like they figured out this whole like songwriting thing, like David mentioned before with Once We're Around the Sun, where they were getting like more focused on becoming strong songwriters. And with Emperor Sand, like I thought with this one, they kind of like were leaning into that more and they were still taking risk at this time. Uh, for example, like with uh, on this record, one of the singles that was released on this is their song "Show Yourself." Uh, it's the first song that I personally heard on uh, broadcast radio uh, from Mastodon that I've heard before. Such a phenomenal song! Yeah, it was uh, it was real catchy. It was like one of my favorites when I first heard it. Like I knew that like I liked it when I first heard it, but I, I saw a little bit of backlash from fans at first because they thought that. It was a little bit too poppy and radio friendly, but the being this is it's probably the most straightforward song they have in their whole discography, possibly. Uh, Which again, when you're a band that's this phenomenal, it's almost like a feat to write something that straightforward, you know? Like, yeah, like I, said, I love that song immensely. Yeah, like Tracy, and also mention like it's it sounds very Queens of the Stone Age esque, but I'm a fan of Queens of the Stone Age, and hearing a Macedon rendition of something that Queens of the Sunnage would do sounds great. Uh, and really shows uh, Bron Daler's confidence as a vocalist, really, like, leading the whole song uh, through uh, that track. And like many Mass Sun records do, it opens up on a sludgy, heavy one with Sultan's Curse. Uh, but for me, this was like, this since this was like during the era of when I was doing album reviews, I was like combing over every aspect of this. 
uh, record. And with every little bit of this uh, record, like I like the backstory of it. I like the concept record to have of it with the Emperor of Sand being a metaphor for dealing with cancer. Uh, with all the band members, like dealing had multiple members of the band had family members or loved ones ever dealing with cancer, and dealing with like the slow, the basically the slow march of time, like taking people away from us, as being like part of the theme of the record, and it's also they were able to convey that emotion to a lot of the songs as well. Where me, I'm not the most like emotional guy ever, but uh, they were able. <laughs> to- <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I just know Dante really well, yeah. so it's it's yes. funny to hear him say that. I, I had an ex girlfriend nickname me the Terminator uh, because of my. <laughs> Sorry again, knowing Dante super personally, it's hilarious because of my lack of showing emotion very well. Well, not hilarious. I I, I love you, Dante. You're allowed to show more emotion. Uh, I, I'm not trying to hold back emotion per se, but what I will say is that uh. There's a lot of like songs on here that like do elicit emotion. One of the big ones on here is uh, "Roots Remain," where like it has very emotional chorus through like that Brondale delivers, as well as a powerful guitar solo done by uh, lead guitarist uh, Brent Hines, uh, which is just it's it's like one of those like classic. It's not not like an '80s solo, but it's like very. There's a lot of like feeling and vibes like put out to it where it's just very like it wrenches emotion out of you like you feel it like after going through the whole journey of the song it has like the instruments drop out for a little bit before it goes to the swirling solo which is just really powerful and emotional and i love it so much um with that it still has like very punchy powerful heavy songs like like sultan's curse uh with like precious stones which is like a high energy banger and like a word to the wise and andromeda which is one of my favorite riffs that mastodon's ever done because that's just a banger. It's just, that's like, it just gets you hyped. Like, this whole record is just fucking phenomenal. And I, I was always, like, kind of on the fence because it was one of the newer records in their discography. But this was, uh, after having some, like, time away from it, giving listens to it over the years, off and on, uh, I realized just how great this record really is. And shows that even in this most recent history of Macedon, they are bringing out some of the best uh, music amongst their peers and really anyone else today. And so, Emperor Sand is definitely, like, a, one that really should be considered a classic Macedon record, even though it's only about five, six years old so far. Uh, it has a little bit of a lot of the best parts of the career and really showing them uh, being a, coming into their own confidently in this part of their uh, discography. So my number three is Emperor of Sand. Uh, getting to our like top two records each, uh, what is your number two here, David? I think I have a guess of what your number two is going to be, but uh, let's hear what you got. So... With my relationship with Mastodon. And this one, I kind of let go a little bit. Uh, I didn't think highly of it. Um, Just thinking about the top five for a long time. But then I just went back and listened to it. And it's probably my most listened to Mastodon record. And it is Blood Mountain. Blood Mountain. Um, 
again, it's just like I, there was the recency bias that I probably had. There was some records, uh, maybe the one you were just talking about that I had. We're not on the omission part yet, but I had higher and like I was just like I had like a thought of like what my top five was going to be. And I just was not putting this in my top five. Right. And then um, I just fell back in love with it so goddamn hard. Like I even just kind of did a thing where I just went through the intros earlier and like every fucking intro just it, it brought back like the the memory of being the kid listening to this shit it was a very particular time of your life yeah and uh i will say and this kind of goes back to what i was saying in the intro with the uh, Brian Daler i think this is his drumming pinnacle i that's hard to disagree with i uh, he is on fucking fire throughout this entire uh, album and I mean I, I would start naming songs but I could just pretty much name everyone on the album uh, I mean, like really like it starts off with like the wolf, a, drum, I mean, yeah. a drum clinic and he just blues. fucking goes he goes hard and like I said he doesn't really fucking stop and it's the all inspiring performance that honestly carries it to this day for me of him on the drums um fucking uh one of my favorite mastodon songs of all time and i've I've discussed this with you before is colony of birchman and uh i've always loved it but i mean the wolf is loose crystal skull sleeping giant i mean i I could literally just go through the entire fucking album as soon as all the fucking intros of any of these songs start i just i go back to that time and I, i like there was a time that I was talking about getting the fucking whatever the fuck you call this moose wolf pussy. <laughs> it's, it rears its head, the moose pussy. Yeah, there was a time I was actually talking about getting that tattooed on me. That would be a cool tattoo. Uh, I, I I mean, and that's just I mean, 2006. I'm 14. So when you're talking about it, the anticipated records, I came in on Leviathan. This is the follow up. So and, the hype was real. Yeah. And like I said, that's what I'm saying. This, this probably ended up my most listened to, but it was just like in recent times, I hadn't listened to it a lot. I just just hadn't. So this one surged. This one surged past everything. Because when we're talking, to, when we get on the omissions part, those two records were in my top five. Uh, this one just, like I said, bypassed everything. Bypassed once more around the sun. It almost fucking overtook the top spot. Uh, cause again, it just, this recent listen, I kind of laid at the bed for a long time cause I fucking wore it out so bad. But, uh, and like I said, it's Bron, Bron fucking performance on this entire record is so just otherworldly great. Like again, if I'm, if I, if I was a drum teacher, this is in the curriculum, curriculum, uh, just straight up. Uh, he's got the best hands in metal and this is the time that he really honestly just fucking proved it. Because, uh, I mean, as we say, after this record, you get the ambitious uh, Crack the Sky, where, I mean, he's great on every record, don't get me fucking wrong. But you get that record that's like this big, huge, open concept type thing, and then they enter their songwriting phase. He is just playing his fucking ass off here. It's just rapid fire. Yeah, and jazz I, style I, I can't say enough about this record now. Like, honestly, wish I gave it more listens here recently, just so I could like go into details, like song to song. Um, 
But like I said, I went through the fucking intros and I just like today I just went through the intros and I just had like a nostalgic kick then. But when I listened to it, uh, when we finally discussed, hey, we're going to do this episode for sure. It, it fucking went straight back up and I was like, God damn, it's so good. So fucking good. Um, and like I said, Colony of Birch- Birchman of the Wolf is Loose, uh, Crystal Skull, and even like the Closer, Pendulous Skin, some of my favorite songs in the entire discography. 12 songs, 50 minutes. It doesn't, doesn't fucking drag either. Um, and as much as I'm gushing over this one right now, I'm so stoked to get a, get to number one. <laughs> but uh, I'll leave it at that. Because like I said, man, it's just... Brent, 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 Ron Taylor's fucking just on another goddamn level on this album. And it, it just... It's almost like watching a fucking athlete go off. It's like watching Kobe score 81. It's like <laughs> watching Derrick Henry go for 250 and four touchdowns. Like, Ron Taylor is a, like freaking beast of a drummer yeah. he's like he's like he's my personal favorite drummer there is essentially i i, I just feel like this album is the one yeah it's definitely a showcase of like what he can do with scale wise it definitely like has my favorite i have i think i have to agree that it's probably my favorite brondale drum performance on this one uh because he's like wolf is loose is probably my favorite drum song of his uh that and along with uh Bringing like Blood and Thunder, which is like a big song for a lot of people for him. Uh, but yeah, like he's always been one of my favorite drummers because, like, not only is his skill just ridiculous, but he's also in the metal sphere the most distinctive drummer. There's only so many drummers you can tell just from hearing them play what who they are because it's a little bit hard to be as distinctive uh, with it. But yeah, like go- going on with the list, I'd say, uh, beginning to the number two is like my number two. Uh, speaking of like albums and well, yeah, <laughs> speaking of albums that we've been talking about this whole time, this whole time, I didn't have a good transition there, but uh, so albums like this, uh, number two record for me was one that for a long time, even after becoming a fan of Mastodon, I didn't give too many listens to, uh, because it was something that when I first got into him, I wasn't really had like the type of ear and mature enough to really appreciate it, I don't think. And after I started doing album reviewing, uh, I started listening to more albums in full, which is something I hadn't really done that much up to that point. But once I really started to appreciate uh, the full album listen and started to like really learn the importance of like basically like the difference between listening to individual tracks, uh, what that can give you and listening to what an entire record, the full idea that an artist is trying to convey uh, through their album uh, to you. And that was when I was really able to understand and appreciate this record for what it is. And that is their 2009 record, Crack the Sky. It was my number two. Uh, with this one, for a long time, I didn't really listen to anything on this record except for Oblivion. Uh, it's their, it's the like lead single off the album, if I remember correctly. It's the track that uh, is the most accessible. It's one of the most popular ones. You know what, I think divinations was on brutal legend and that's why i, I was thinking about that one i think it is on brutal legend i think uh, that song is on there because i love that song on that game but yeah that's why i was probably thinking honestly probably because i i played the fuck out of that game Absolutely. uh but yeah like this is one album that like really i don't listen to individual songs on this album too much 
Yeah, Crack the Sky is an album that just makes you appreciate the full album listen. It's from like front to back because really it's I've been realizing this a lot with like a lot of albums when I review them where I don't individual songs from the records don't stand out as much to me as just listen to the thing in whole. And this one, this one's the big one in this entire discography where it's like the context of the whole fucking thing matters. Yeah, and even like there's a individual song here like which is like a whole four-part multi-part thing in here with the czar because the czar is one track that i if i remember right is like 14 minutes uh like different sections that all are part of the over-encompassing story with the different sections usurper escape martyr and freaking whatever the last section is which i can't see currently but yeah this whole um, it's really spacey. It's really atmospheric, uh, which really matches the elemental themes because like what they, they really do the elemental themes on these records really well because the, uh, for example, like the first record remission had a theme of fire and it's really intense, uh, heavy riffs in your face intensity, the intensity of fire. Their second record Leviathan was dealing with Moby Dick in the sea where it has all these real like fast flowing type of riffs that like have like gives you images of like being on the ocean the rapidness but also the beauty that's on the ocean as well blood mountain is has the elemental theme of earth and has all these like sludgy riffs like really kind of like mountainous and all that stuff but with this one it's dealing with aether which is dealing with the spiritual realm and this whole album has theme of like out-of-body experiences uh, hallucinations, uh, time travel, traveling through space, meeting Satan, and <laughs> being like transport. This they were on a lot of drugs with this record. I'm assuming because this whole like concept story they have behind this is just bonkers. But there's a lot of emotion behind it too because it's a tribute to uh, drummer Bron Daler's sister as well. I've mentioned this already when we were talking about it before earlier when I mentioned my number NASA. four record. Well, his number four record, my number two. Which I thought this was going to be high on the list for you as well, but I think I guessed wrong, possibly. Uh, well, I mean, we'll get into we'll get into the predictions, but yeah, this record front to back it starts off with Oblivion, which is probably for being one of a track that was a single, one of their like most interestingly composed tracks as well, where it has like multiple hooks on it, it utilizes like the multiple vocal setup really well. Uh, has one of the strongest hooks to have it with uh, Bryn Hines having a real strong uh, chorus that he sings on that one. Divinations with the, like the banjo style, like guitar picking that's used for the intro and actual banjo for the beginning that leads into the guitar stuff. Uh, Quintessence, it's, this whole record is great. And speaking of Bron Daler vocal performance, not vocal performances, but drumming performances, uh, Ghost of Corellia is uh, one of his strongest uh, efforts, I believe as well. One of the standout, uh, performances he gives on this record as well as be, this being the first well it's yeah this actually was the first record that he started singing on uh, which is also like a unique new element that the band added to their sound at the time and which it, it surprises me how long it took before they fully committed to that yeah I think this is the first record where they went on with like no screamy vocals at all I was saying because they didn't really lean into it to like once more, like where he became like almost the most prominent singer. Almost, yeah. He mostly just does uh, like I'm believing he sings in the verses, and I think he has like some backing vocals for the rest of this record. It surprised me that it took that long a to get him in that fold, and then b 
how long it took him to just commit to like, hey, you're like you're the high note singing guy. Yeah, which I mean, again, that that's part of the beauty now is that that progression happened. So like again, you know, we're, we're we were talking a lot about eras in here, and our history with the band uh, matters a lot, uh, especially because of how I think the number ones are about to go. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but but yeah, now like I said, it's a. Uh, Again, like yeah, I, I I fucking love that record, man. Um, and it is one of those ones. It's it, it's it's kind of it's it's there's the wall. Like everything's better in context. Because if you listen to a single, it's like oh that's good. Yeah, but you, but it, you have to be sitting down, prepared, mentally prepared for like I'm going to go on this journey with the band, and this album takes you on a journey. Yeah. Uh, which this record is excellent. Obviously, I think so because it's my number two uh, on my list. Uh, and this is what was an album that really added to my appreciation of just listening to full albums. Uh, it's kind. Of, it's one of the things that kind of makes me a little bit sad that people are more so leaning into uh, just making random playlists. Which I have random playlists myself. Uh, I do it all the time. Oh, we're a hundred percent guilty of i mean we're, we're products of the time but also at the same time this ease of access we have the music also makes it where you can listen to full albums really easily as well and you can like really get appreciate a full record uh from any artists and really get a better idea it gives artists that put the focus on the full album listen a better chance to being discovered and enjoyed I'd if you say. if you had the mentality it's a beautiful time yes the problem <laughs> With society, as I shake my fist at the sky, we live in a society is that. It, I mean, we're in the TikTok age now, man. So, and yeah, thirty seconds is a lot of time to get for that. For those that follow me on Facebook, I was just literally shaking my fist at the clouds. <laughs> uh, the old Simpsons reference: "Old man shakes old fist man at clouds." I am Abe Simpson right now, uh, but but yeah. Now, like I said, as far as album experiences go, you really can't go wrong uh, with Crack the Sky. Uh, you got any more on Crack? Uh, I'd say that's <laughs> got any more on Crack. Got more on crack. <laughs> My bad. Uh, don't really have much more on Crack, but I, that right. is all on Crack the Sky. So just. Just for fun, because I'm not. We should probably recap our five well, through well, two. That, and I'm 99% sure what that we both know what our number ones are. Yeah, I think so too. I think uh, we, I think I guessed yours number one pretty well. So, too. my number five was The Hunter. Your number five was. My number five was Remission. All right. And my number four was Crack the Sky. Your number four was. My number four was The Hunter. My number four was The Hunter. Okay, and then number three for you was... Emperor of Sand. And mine was Once More Around the Sun. Uh, I got Blood Mountain at two. And my number two is Crack the Sky. And I'm just going to say that your number one is my number three. Uh, I forgot what your number three was already. Once More Around the Sun. Yes, yes. That. And what's your prediction and for my, my number? My prediction for your number one is that it is Leviathan. And damn straight, Dante. Why is it not in your top five? No. We will get into that. We'll get into that. We will get into that. So, obviously, I gave all the pretty much the pretense on why this one fucking made an impact early. Uh, the number one thing that stands out for me when I listen to this record is musically, 
visually. In the way that I like to write myself, I like to visualize like it's like world building. There's no Mastodon record to me that sounds more like what the concept and the album cover is. Like when I'm here in Sea Beast, I can see myself on a boat struggling to, you know, fucking sail around this gigantic beast that's attacking me. You know, I am Joseph Merrick. Uh, well, dude, that fucking the closing track on that motherfucker. Like, I f- literally feel like I'm riding off into the sunset. Uh, Megalodon. I feel like I'm a goddamn whale traveling through the fucking ocean, man. Like, I see everything that this album is portraying. On top of that, just Sea Beast is actually probably my favorite Mastodon song. Uh, I probably shared that with my sister, honestly. <laughs> but, uh, but I mean, Blood and Thunder, you know, you got Neil Fallon from Clutch on there. I mean, I am Ahab's fucking awesome. Iron Tusk is awesome. Island fucking is awesome. Aqua Dementia, like the way that motherfucker starts, I could see being fucking fucked up in the head, dude. You know, just convey it with that like little like twangy guitar tone. It's so it's such so, and this is gonna go into my nerddom a little bit. When I hear the classic Godzilla soundtracks. I can imagine exactly everything that's happening. Like, uh, the Godzilla theme, I have no fucking issue imagining Godzilla rising out of the ocean. How's that cinematic quality to it? Yes. And I wouldn't say that this was their strongest concept record because we went into that on Crack the Sky, but I, I... it's this hard. is really their, technically their first concept record. Yeah, and it's but it's hard for me to say that this isn't because I, for whatever reason it's just like I can just super like I can visualize all of it, and I think that's what I mean. It's one of those things that's inspired me because again, like you know, even with the theories of the apocalypse days, which if anybody's listening to this has any fucking idea, when I'm writing a song like Acid Lake, that's the kind of shit I'm thinking about. I think I world build it. Like I, I created this giant serpent at the bottom of the lake. Uh, Lord conquered him above the while we're trying to go while, while we're trying to go down to the bottom of this fucking lake to find the runes of eternal life. <laughs> you know, and yeah, same. I mean, Lord conquered the mud, the tree, reborn in rapture. Like everything that I'm, every lyric I'm writing, I kind of visualized like a scene with it. And uh, they do it musically. Like it's not even just lyrically. Like musically, the musical themes of every fucking song is so visual to me. And like I said, again, the time that I come into them, I mean, I think that's probably a good 70% of it. But it's it's stood the test of time to me. It's like your first love. Well, it, and, but it's 100% still there. Like, I mean, there's other records that have fucking died off for me from, from that era. But this one, like, I see that well. I see the ship. I see... Everything about it throughout the list. And that was the, the stark thing with me today. Because it was just like, I almost thought about putting Blood Mountain first. And to go back to the Ron Daler thing, this album is Another big very Brondale. fucking close behind. Really, those first three records all together are all Ron Daler clinics. Yeah, and I'll get on 
Why that one's omitted too. Yeah, remission is an odd. Uh, it was in my top five the entire time until today. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, like I, I can't say enough about just the visual. Like, like I said, to me, it's John Williams soundtrack, Star Wars. I can see, you know, you hear the fucking march, <laughs> you see Vader and the fucking stormtroopers walking. You know, you hear Duel of the Fates, you're seeing fucking Darth Maul and. Calling a theme connected to your characters. And the fact that they did it musically as hard as they did. Because like I said, it's one thing to lyrically write your concepts out. It's one thing to lyrically execute your concept. But like the fact that the music, to me, portrays it. And I've always been a music first guy. Like I could give a rat's ass about lyrics 90% of the time. There's very few lyrics, lyricists that truly impress me. Um, and Mastodon's not a band until they got into their songwriting phase. It was more of a focus. That I even knew what half the lyrics of fucking were. Of course, when you're like, singing the lyrics, it's easier to understand what they're saying. So it hits a little harder. You can but, more easily can hear it. But this, this era right here, I mean, I, like I said, man, I, Blood Mountain might honestly be a better record. It might be better performed. There might be more whatever, which, you know, neither one of those are in your top five. Yeah, either one. Yeah, but uh, I'm, I'll please. Told you going to be some controversy. Well, I mean, that, no, and and but it's fine because, like I said, again, we're we're talking about a band that doesn't have really a well, we doesn't have many stinkers <laughs> whatsoever. But there is a clear worst gooders, and we'll we'll get to that. But uh, and like I said, I don't mean to keep harping on this, but like I said, the, the, the just the fact that just a band of dudes writing heavy metal music that's you know i don't consider them scholars per se if you've seen any videos that they put out for anything yeah you know they are not scholars so (laughs) just the fact that this this record from a musical standpoint just so like i said it, it it's very theatric in my head and you know whereas like classic vocalists like ronnie james dio could paint a picture with his voice and his lyrics. I think this is one of the pieces of art that just perfectly paints the fucking picture from a musical standpoint. And I think it's super fucking impressive. Um, this is a modern equivalent to an Iron Maiden record. Uh, as far as just concept to art, to just musically matching what the fuck you're trying to put out there. Um, and like I said, Ron Daler, the, the Leviathan and Blood Mountain, he's just so fucking on fire. And the those drum performances go a long way for me. Like I said, again, and I'm a sports guy. So like when, when I'm talking about a dude just on another fucking level as a drummer, those two records are so fucking beyond, I think, anything in their discography front to back that... Um, I just I can't not fucking gush over this record. Uh, like I said, when I I told you I, I had the CD for like a year before I really actually listened to it. I saw them live at Ozfest and still didn't really listen to it. It took me probably about six months, and then the next time I saw them with Slayer, they fucking stole the night for me almost. Um, so like I said, uh, part thirteen, fourteen year old nostalgia, part the theatrics, part. Brian Taylor's fucking phenomenal drumming. Uh, my favorite album art 
I mean, you can just going that far. I, I said I can't say enough about this record. I was gonna gush over it, especially since it's not your top five. <laughs> At least we share your number one in in our list. Yeah, my uh, number one is in both of our lists. So yeah, go ahead and uh, talk about once more around the sun, so I can berate you. <laughs> well, <laughs> what's around the sun? All right, what's around the sun is my number one mass on record. It came out around the time that I was first getting into the band, so that has part of it to do with it. But also, even now, What's Around the Sun has all the elements that I've looked for in a quality album front to back. It has track diversity. It has a mixture of like styles where it has like really melodic tracks and softer tracks while also having some heavy tracks in there to have like a basically different styles that keep you interested all the way throughout. And whenever I'm making albums where I'm giving like scores for my album reviews, uh, one of the metrics that I give is like the lack of poor tracks, like un- tracks that you uh, can't skip. And the fewer of those you have, uh, the better the album tends to be overall. This is, I say, the one Mastodon album, aside from uh, my number two, I'd probably Crack the Sky, that there is no skippable tracks on. There's front to back. Every single song was a banger. And I, when I listened, re-listened to it earlier today, I was just making sure of that fact. Going like, all right, is there anything on here that is one that I don't really enjoy that much? That was a surprise, but I'm like, as weird and kind of dumb as that part is, it works for them. They have some stuff. You know, and funny thing, my worst, we'll get into that when we get to the omissions. But like the... Uh, the, even the Aunt Lisa track has something unique that you wouldn't expect. It throws you for a loop when it get to it in the track list. I thought that my like Spotify fucked up and went to another random artist when that came on because I totally forgot that was in there. Every one. time that song comes on, I'm like, this isn't them. And then I'm like, uh. <laughs> but this was when, <clears throat> this is where you could tell that the band fully mastered the three like vocalist setup. Uh, each vocalist gets to shine at different parts of this record. Bron Daler comes to his own on what's one of the most popular tracks now, The Motherload, where he just like, it's one of his more simpler drum performances, but even that's still strong. Uh, he has this soaring vocal chorus. It's, it's, it's probably his best vocal. Yes, it's definitely, it's, I'd say that it, it is the strongest vocal performance. And the cook is so instantly catchy. And intro track Tread Lightly has some powerful vocal harmonies between him and bassist Troy Sanders. Uh, it builds up really strongly. High Road has one of my favorite riffs they've ever done uh, with the like a quintessential sludge metal riff that just makes you want to like, go out and punch shit. And the music video for that. <coughs> Fuck. <laughs> uh, goddamn rastiness. Talk like, too much. Like I said... The Wiener Rents do you better than the Wiener Chug. I'm not telling this Wiener Rents, so fuck you. <laughs> but, yeah, that's, High Road is just like a quality sludge metal track with like another powerful like vocal hook on it as well. With Bron Daler uh, talking about High Road. Which might be his second best vocal for Possibly, because yeah. he's... I, I remember I tried to sing along to sing him. Like, how the fuck is he singing so goddamn high? Apparently, funny story I forgot to mention when you were talking about how they brought him into the fold vocally. Which is hilarious before. that as the drummer in the band, you're like, Bron Daler's vocal performances. And I'm over here like, Bron Daler's drumming. I mean, don't get me wrong. Bron Daler's drumming is a big part of why I love this I, band so I much. I just feel like it's well. literally the difference in our... Basically, I like singing drummers is a big thing. I yeah. like the combo. And with like, 
and Brondell is like the best combination of Tim drummers better know their place. <laughs> get the drumming, motherfucker. Because <laughs> like he's one of my he's my favorite drummer and one of my favorite vocalists overall, like as well. Uh, yeah, it it surprised me like once he started going, and it was like fuck, dude. Like as I was saying earlier, it's like well, I'm so so surprised it took yeah. that long. Apparently, like uh, I remember seeing an interview, like they pushed him to like be a vocalist on their albums after uh, Brent Hines like heard him singing along to King Diamond, and like, it was like, yo, you we got to put that on an album. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> quit, quit, quit fucking around, bro. That's essentially what Brent Hines said. It's like quit fucking around. You're singing on this record. <laughs> and, because he was saying like I'm a drummer I can't sing the fuck you mean you can't sing <laughs> like it, the rest is history now he's like singing a record and everybody lauds him for both his drumming and his vocal ability uh, but this whole album is just full of bangers back front to back like Chimes at Midnight Asleep in the Deep is one of my favorite tracks as well with them having like the weird overlapping vocal hooks that they have in that one and with the like spacey guitars and the builds and ups and downs of it all even Aunt Lisa with its weird child choir chanting shit that it has Ember City Hell Awaits and Diamond in the Witch House is a powerful uh, doomy closer that they have on this record there's no weak points on this album and yeah, this one was firmly entrenched in my top three uh it was probably originally gonna be number two and then like i said i I just got that fucking nostalgia power when i hit blood mountain here recently because like this is one i was flipping off flipping back and forth between with this and crack the sky for my number one uh because i cracked the sky see that surprises me I feel like this one, just for what I know about you, was firmly number oh, yeah, one. This is because I, I feel like you were lying to yourself. I'm a sucker for big riffs, <laughs> big riffs and big hooks, big vocal hooks specifically. If you have a big chorus with big guitars behind it, I'm I'm a sucker for that. I'm a I'm, I'm a whore for big riffs and big suck, <laughs> whore for big riffs and big vocal hooks. And this has that in spades all throughout this entire record. Uh, the mother load is one of like every single year on Spotify at the end of the year. It's always one of my top played songs. Because it's on it every year. It's on. It it ends up as like the auto curated curated fucking playlist, and it's always on there, and I never skip it. it, it I've I've never like there's never a bat. I'm never not wanting to hear the motherload yeah. at all. Well, uh, I just all that ass, all that ass in the music. I, video. Just, <laughs> I, I love that. Like they show like, hey, in case y'all forgot, we're from Atlanta, the stripper you, you, capital of the world, <laughs> where where I listen to Leviathan and see all that shit. Hear the motherload. I'm just like, huh. On Leviathan, you're smirking like Moby Dick, and on this one, you're just thinking about putting your dick in some stripper ass. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But yeah, like Once Around the Sun just has like it's one of my favorite albums from anybody ever. And Mastodon, I will say, is probably my favorite band, and this is my favorite album from that band because it hits every sweet spot I want in a metal band uh, I, say, really. I, I didn't make that point with my number one but totally yeah i, I leviathan is one of my favorite records of all time so and like also like the album artwork is fucking insane like <laughs> i if i'm ever high on psychedelics please don't show me the album cover because i will freak the oh, dude, out. it's it's wonderful i went out of like, my way i went out of my way to look oh, i have up. nightmares about that shit but it's it's like i do want a vinyl of it though because it's fucking amazing the artist that did it is something else because that is something trippy out of this world uh but yeah once around the sun by mastodon uh quality more than quality it's a top tier record like front to back uh i would give it five stars out of five uh if i were to do a retrospective ranking of it 
uh, unsurprisingly, considering it's my number one album from favorite band. Uh, but yeah, I'd say that is each of our number ones and our top fives. And that brings us to the next section. I'll say, what did we get right on each other's list? Oh, yeah. the uh, Our predictions. That uh, we so uh, I only had one missing out of yours. Uh, let's see. I... I had two on my predictions that did not that were omissions uh, see i know you better than you know me Apparently, you surprised me a little bit on this one I would so say. uh my number five for you was blood mountain and it, it, really i was just guessing at number five yeah because like, like i said even for me i had no fucking idea that number five was going to be where it ended up for me yeah um but i had crack the sky the hunter emperor sand once more so i mean i i had your albums just once. didn't quite because we, I mean, you never really talked about Crack the Sky. Yeah, we never talked about it because it's what because like it's be honest, I don't listen to Crack the Sky that much, yeah. but when I do, it's an it's an event when I'm listening to. Crack yeah, the Sky. so uh, I put it in the same spot that I had in mind just because I was thinking, hey, we don't talk about it, but I feel like it has to be there. Uh, it's just a, too good of an album. To so like I said, I got your number one. Uh, like I said, I had Emperor Sand number two and the hundred three because I knew the hunters where you came in at. So I was yeah, like, like whatever your first was. It's kind of like you losing your virginity to a band. Whatever your first tends to be so a you, favorite. You're, you're, did I have your top two right? Or am I tripping? Uh, what Emperor, did you say Sand, the, Emperor Sand number two for you or no? Emperor Sand was number three. What was number two? Number two was Crack Sky. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, so what you what you have for old Dave? Uh, for old Dave, I had uh, your number five as Emperor of Sand. Okay. Uh, I, again, I thought it was going to be up there. <laughs> uh, num- number four, I honestly should have had this ranked higher for your number four, Blood Mountain. Because uh, you talk about that record a lot. Yeah. So I should have had the high. I knew it was going to be on the list. <clears throat> for sure. <laughs> what the fuck's wrong with my throat? Uh, it's Wiener rinse. <laughs> I knew it was going to be on there for sure, but I should have put it higher. Uh, number three, I had is Crack the Sky. Uh, number two, I put remission, which I'm surprised wasn't on your list at all. And it was almost that. Uh, it was probably that high. Yeah, because I was thinking point. like this is just this is the Riff City album. Like so I was thinking this is definitely gonna be on it for sure. Uh, I, little, uh, I mean, do you want me to get into my omissions? Well, first? we'll get to that. But like, I did guess your number one, right, yeah, Leviathan, which yeah, I mean, that we, was an easy one. We knew uh, each so. other pretty well enough that yeah. uh, we knew what our most favorite things are. Yeah. Uh. So, I mean, we are on the uh, omission part now, Yeah, right? we're, I'd say we're on the omissions part now. Okay, so... So your two omissions were remission and Emperor of Sand. Well, there's a third one, but that... There's a third one. <laughs> we're going to get to that. We'll, we'll get to that. Uh, and so, when we're talking about the eras and what we love about the band and whatnot, again, the hunter caught me by surprise. I had no fucking idea that I was going to like it as much as I did. And like I said, Blood Mountain, I kind of disregarded for some reason when I was thinking about these lists. Like, if it was in my top five, I wasn't thinking number two. And when I listened to the remission, like, the first time around when we were about to do all this, and then we didn't, <laughs> remission was high. Uh, and But, I mean, I gushed over it with you when we were talking about it. It fucking riffs. It's a roughy boy. Because, like, when you're talking about omissions with this band, it's it's like 5B and 5C, more so than 6 and 7. Yes. Like, it's they're not bad. We don't think that our omissions are bad records. Yeah. Uh, There's just, like, 
we there's so we feel have a lot of strength about the ones we do put in our top five. I just think that with where the band went, and even as soon as Leviathan, and then the progression to Blood Mountain, and then what their next progression was, and the fact that it was all fucking excellent, they're a band where their debut to me just lost weight. Like it's great. It riffs, it goes, it's fucking heavy, it's beautifully fucking... I mean, it's an awesome record, but it, it just didn't do as much as anything else. Like, it just... It had that one thing. It fucking riffs. It goes. But all the other aspects of Mastodon that I really fucking love just are a little lacking. So, like, when you have that bigger picture... It was in too raw of a form before you really got When you have that bigger picture of you and the band doesn't really drop off... I had a really hard time. Um, and like I said, probably would have put it that high every year till now. Because again, The Hunter the Hunter was, I shat on that record. The Hunter would have been my second least favorite record. That was the first, I feel like that record was the first time a lot of longtime Mastodon fans started crapping on him. Yeah, so I, I, I was caught by surprise. Emperor of Sand, I just feel like for... And I, I lumped the three records together. The Hunter. The Hunter's the introduction to that. Right. Once More Around the Sun's your number one. Yes. It's the pinnacle of that style. It's when they started polishing that tra- tra- trajectory. I just feel like... It's like the Hunter is the the glue from the era that I loved to the era that came. Once More Around the Sun's the pinnacle. Yes. Emperor of Sand just ends up the odd man out. Like, it's just not quite... It just... And it might be a better record than The Hunter, but when I... Through my lenses, the the transition, the transitional part of The Hunter makes The Hunter better for me. Because, yeah. uh, like I said, Emperor of Sand... I don't feel like Emperor of Sand went up. or Like I, like I said, it might be a better record. Like I said, I thought it was in my top five, a hundred percent. But like when I just, I just found myself kind of getting bored. I, I, and not to say super bored. I just got, and it was maybe after listening to Once More and Blood Mountain and all these other records again. When I got to a certain point of Emperor Sand, I just was like, man, this isn't as strong as Once More Around the Sun. And I'm just so much more partial to that era. That's why Blood Mountains 2, Leviathan's number one. It's like that sweet spot for me is just the pinnacle. It's not kind of wild because like with Emperor Sand, I felt like <clears throat> like they already polished their new direction with Once More. And I felt like they were just like further expressing their confidence with Emperor of Sand. Because like that one... I don't disagree with that statement. <clears throat> I don't disagree with that statement at all. But I just feel like how strong Once More Around the Sun was... That pretty much something that wasn't as good or better was gonna feel like a letdown. Yeah, and like I said, the hunter surprised me. I I was not expecting the hunter to to grab me this time around. Yeah, I'm uh, saying this time around the sun. Like <laughs> that's kind of why I put Emperor Sand as your number five because I thought that was gonna be like your record. That it was, was solidly there, and it's a really good fucking record. Uh, and like I said, uh, show yourselves. So fucking good. That stuff is a good catchy um, song. Right from the but like I said, I was just when you're talking about the eras and the era that I'm partial to, 
it just kind of ended up on me. Now, this is the same thing that it's got the same thing with remission for the heiress. If you put remission in the first three, I feel like that progression one, two, three, it's just that ends up the weakest. I feel like it kind of we're like growing in strength from their debut uh, onward. Yeah, I don't feel like because like Blood Mountain drops from fucking Leviathan to me a little bit, but I mean, like I said, even Blood Mountain was considered almost number one. This was a really hard fucking list. Like, I did not have an easy time making a top five because, like I said, those two omissions were so fucking good. Um, but yeah, like I said, I just, I just feel like Emperor Sand was uh, once more around the sun light, and it didn't endear to me as much as it could. That make, that makes sense, I'd say. Where they uh Whereas revisiting the Hunter was like, oh, like this shit's rubbing and like they're going in that direction. It's not it's twobbling your knobs just in the right way. Yeah. It's like they got better at the at the style that they were going towards, but it's just the, the rub in the hunter ended up putting the hunter at five for me. This is just the 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 past meeting the fucking future. The transition period where they still had a little bit of their... Which, like I said, in my life, was not good. Now, looking back on it, I'm like, man, that, that's a good fucking record. So, like I said, had a real hard time. And those two records were in my top five. Like, almost the entire time. It was literally these last listens where I was like, fuck. Like, Blood Mountain just sh- shot way up the list. Honestly, Crack the Sky kind of fucking disregarded, too, for the reasons I was saying. Because uh, I think it just might have been too much to chew at the time. Because I was into the I band. I was the same way. Because like for a long time, I didn't listen to Crack the Sky really at all. Because so, it wasn't instantly. Crack the Sky being it. elevated. Blood Mountain shooting up to the top. And then the Hunter having that rub. Remission and fucking uh, Emperor Sand just, just didn't quite make it. And I, like I said, it's 5B and C. It's not really 6 and 7. Yeah. Whereas the other one's 8. <laughs> it's firmly in the eight column. So, uh, speak on speak on your terrible omissions. <laughs> well, before <laughs> the only reason I can, I mean, I can talk shit because it's my number one and two. So, yeah, and the, so, like before we get to our mutually agreed firm number eight, uh, I knew this was going to be a point of contention that I was going to get shit for. With uh, well, and again, it's hard to argue. Yeah, the the, the, the band's so fucking good. That's always good stuff. Like I'd say, like part of it, it does. Uh, is does lie with where I got into the band. If it was another band, I'd probably argue a lot harder. <laughs> is all I'm gonna say. Well, also like neither one. First, want to start off with saying like I don't think either one of these albums are bad. Of course, uh, these are still great. Both are great albums, and I listen to specific songs from both of these albums a lot. Still, of course, Blood and Thunder. I've never tired of hearing Blood and Thunder at all, anytime. Dude, the fucking dual guitar part in the middle is like one of my. Yeah, like, it's, it's like it, it's one of my favorite just mastodon parts. It's just like perfection, like blah, for whatever great. reason that like if I was just like think of a mastodon part. <laughs> the dana 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 wana dana 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 wana 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 wana. Yeah, like yeah, it, it just it, it hits uh, it hits so right. It's that dual guitar just perfection. And uh, same goes for uh, Blood Mountain, because now when, of course, Wolf is Loose, I, one of my favorite drum songs I've heard of anything that I love all the time, and Colony Birchwood as well, uh, which just has, like, it's just a progressive metal. It's that accessible form of progressive metal where it's, like, it has the, like, technicality and, uh, like, unique song structure version of it, but it's also immediate, where, like, you don't, 
it's not one you have to like sit and get into. It has a slow build and all that. That a lot of progressive metal has. The thing with these two records, though, with me is that this is where you tell they were really first starting trying to experiment with the sound more and expand on it. And they didn't quite have uh, something that I look for and enjoy in a lot of stuff is like the vocal ability yet to really like carry it through a lot of it. See, and that just explains it all right there because I already said I could give a rat's. That's ass about like vocal stuff. Like, because to me, it's at the end of the day, it's, it's riffs. I mean, and like I said, uh, Ron Taylor's fucking performance on this right. too. With like these uh, first two records, of course, like Remission, uh, that wound up being in like my top five because that one is just the full focus is riffs. See, that's 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 where I have a real contention with you. It's like you're gonna put that one ahead of those two, just because of the progression of the band. But... Like, they did progress in like where they took the sound like there's the blood mountain and leviathan are both much more unique records uh than remission is for sure uh and expanded this music in new territories a lot of media outlets consider leviathan the greatest metal album of the 21st century uh it's won that award by from multiple outlets metal sucks and some other ones have also given leviathan that award uh and leviathan for me uh, I actually put that as my second least favorite, second least favorite Mastodon record, actually ahead of our number eight, which we'll get to. Because uh, the thing with that is, like Blood Mountain, I feel like had that progression from Leviathan, where Leviathan or Blood Mountain is in that category of album listen to me. Of course, it has like the strong singles in, uh, strong singles in uh, Colony Birchman and wolf is loose and also has other strong like points in there like blade catcher and other songs on there but that's one that i overall i have to sit down for an album listen to really enjoy and has some really unique parts on that one and it also but that one also has like one of my least favorite songs on it and i wish i wrote down which one it is but it's the one that has it sounds like a tape being played backwards uh uh hold on two seconds uh i know which one you're talking i see it I'm the other. That, I'm listen, the other way around because I'm like, I'm in love with this, just the fucking weirdness of it. It's like it was like an interesting idea. Mom. Every time I hear, it, I'm like, what the fuck is this? Because it starts <laughs> off like the, the and then it like breaks into. It. <laughs> I'm like, what the what what the hell's going on? Um, in this thing? I do like Capillary and Crest a lot from this one as well. Uh, which that, like just is that Blade Catcher? Uh, it might be Blade Maybe. Catcher. I know which one you're talking about. I, yeah. I, I just can't fucking... But this one has like a lot of like... It has a lot... Basically, it's, this why I like it as a good album listen because it has a lot of weird and interesting guitar experiments that they do with this one. Where like they kind of like... You can tell they're really just like throwing everything at the wall and trying to what, see... Which goes to what I was saying like when I was just... I went to the intros. Yeah. And every intro just distinct is so distinct. They know like, how to start a song and grab your attention with yeah. the track. Um, um and with that one, but also like of course that is a great record. I do like that one for album listens. With Leviathan, of course it has some of the greatest songs of their career, Blood and Thunder being their most popular song still after all these years. Uh of course Iron Tusk is another big one for a lot of people. Alchemia is another standout for me because I do like it definitely conveys that like insanity basically going crazy at sea that uh with their guitar work that they have with that one but i feel like overall there's i feel like some of the distinctiveness between each one of the tracks kind of is like a little bit lost on this one 
Like, and I feel like during the latter half of the record, there's a little bit of a lull uh, during part of it. I forget during which songs that happens yeah, with. Yeah, see, I, I have a hard time agreeing with you on that. Yeah. Because, again, I go back to just the, the movie aspect. I, I can visualize this record front to like. I feel like as far as. Without like, any lyrical or vocal cue, I could just see a story playing out. Whether uh, it's the exact story they're wanting to play, yeah, out. but it's like you know something that might play. I play part of this is I actually heard a of a uh, another band recently that also does nautical themes, uh, Ahab. Have you heard of them? Yeah, I've heard of them. Yeah, yeah they just came out with a new record uh, about like a week or two ago called The Coral Tombs, which is about uh, twenty thousand leagues under the sea. They are all about like have a nautical theme right, for their yeah. whole career, and I feel like they, I mean, give it Mastodon does a good job with the whole nautical theme with this record, but that one hit me so hard with like their do funeral doom and it's it's that whole like thing being the terror and horror of being at sea to a very high degree uh i feel like they do the cinematic thing even more strongly than this record does all i ask of you is just after this conversation where i've told you my piece on it is just li- listen to her again <laughs> i listen to it a lot i, I mean <laughs> i i got you but just just with what i because like i said they there's not a lot of records that pull off the concept musically like that. And I, I get your pointing out example that you think, but if you're talking about that band, what years, I mean, what year did they start? They started pretty, they've been around for a while. Um, Ahab's like one of the leaders in the Funeral Doom uh, side of things. Oh, yeah, okay, but you're talking about Funeral Doom. Uh- <laughs> Their first record that's on Spotify came out in 2006 well, called The Wretched Seas. I bet you're talking about a very niche genre there, too. Yes. All I'm saying, and I will argue this one, just because. Sorry, excuse me. I got I, I got my own issues over here. Oh, God. We're some Shit. funny boys. It is January, and Flynn is everywhere. Well, it's January, and nothing's died in Kentucky, so allergies are still kicking my ass. I ain't even gonna lie. Oh, man. But I don't know. I, me and you've never actually listened to this record together. Uh, I don't think we have. We not? I I don't believe so. Well, uh, we might have done it on a like a wrote on a tour trip. Or I something. don't remember bringing it up. Yeah, I don't think I don't think we have. Um, and again, I'm not trying to convince it of your number one. I, I I'm just the fact that it's that fucking low on your list just. It's I thought it was weird because like I never realized for a long time I never realized how low it was on my list until we were talking about doing this album ranking. Well, it, and there was a conversation between you and Anthony where I told y'all to shut the fuck up <laughs> because we were talking about doing this, and then y'all started talking, and I was like, "God damn it!" Like I already kind of have a tip, and I was hoping it'd be in your top five somewhere. Um, and again, I'm not mad because, like I said, the, the whole discovery is so fucking good. Yeah, I think that might have been part of why, and like when I've I think I heard I've heard about Mas- heard the name Mastodon ever since I first got into metal in my teen years, because like when this came out, it was 2004. I was in freshman in high school, so I would have been like the ripe age of this. Uh, I went down the metalcore route, like more so than like the like traditional metal route that this was really leaning towards. Uh, but yeah, it was. One that, uh, of course, I didn't have friends that were into like the cool hype metal shit uh, at the time to really get me into it. Uh, but yeah, like I, it was a while until I got into their more accessible 
radio friendly quote unquote stuff came out that I started really getting into the band. And when I went back to try to listen to this after I realized this is like the lauded album and considered one of the best albums of recent history, uh, it was one that I kept so trying to go back and listen see, to. See, that might be click. the issue too, is you get the hype train. I did get the hype train. The hype train hit, because I heard the hype train, because I was like looking at like different uh, metal website news articles, like best albums of since 2000 so far, and this is number one on all of them. Like Leviathan is the number one on everybody's list. That's like that makes a list. It's if it's not number one, it's top three. Well, it's not. It's not my number one. <laughs> it's a probably another album with a whale on it, but <laughs> which is very fucking ironic in a way. Oh man. Okay. Uh, uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I just realized what you're talking. I've noticed you just like whales. <laughs> Had no idea, but here we uh, are. Um. But yeah, I won't. I won't beat you in the ground too much over this because, again, like I said, uh, I would just say that ninety percent of it is me coming in when that shit's coming out, and you coming in where the other shit's coming out. Yeah, I and- was like, I came into the band at the peak period of their new of their like Mastodon two point and you came in when they were just really getting established with like the sound they were originally known. I mean, that's for. really coming into their fucking own. Cause like I said, like, with remission, I mean, we, it's a fucking, ah, it's a banger. It's a motherfucker. But, but also like, I feel like with Leviathan, like they, a lot of people grabbed onto that because they had the hype for remission and then they delivered with the second record. Uh, so well and grew, expanded upon that as yeah. well. And having a banger, tr- like track to anchor everything. <laughs> funny nautical themes the anchor thing with blood and thunder really just hit things because they had like that accessible track to hit people with and then had a full album of strong tracks to like really keep people there and had a lot for people to dig into with the concept record idea behind it the moby dick theme and have it be something that people could obsess over and peel the layers back on and really and not to mention like the performances are all excellent on this thing as well of course too because it has riffs brondale is a drum beast and that's some there was a lot to dig into and they also didn't really sound like any other band at the time or really still now no one sounds like them well and especially at the time because you're talking about the new wave of american heavy metal yeah it was and, all like and, the thrash revival metalcore and and, and when you're talking about lamb of god kill switch shadows fall and all those bands that really kind of truly were the flag bearers god forbid yada yada that are like pushing this new musical style forward. Like they were kind of an odd band that transcended all of that. Yeah. Uh, really like this whole, not the whole sludge the, metal style supposed to be an underground like genre. band. I was talking about, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, but that, that's what's even better about it is they, they broke through at a time where everything was pretty fucking similar. Like, there weren't the band that was focusing on like, the sing scream choruses and the hooks or, or big breakdowns. No, because that Ozfest I went to, I mean, you had like some death metal bands and stuff like that, and some like the symphonic or not symphonic, but melodic metalcore. Um, like Soil Work was on that motherfucker. Arch Enemy was on that motherfucker. Uh, <laughs> uh, like and then like bands like It Dies Today and uh, Bury Your Dead. Like they were, they stood out on that lineup immensely. Uh, Killswitch was on that lineup. In Flames was on that lineup. Shadows Fall was on that lineup. A whole uh, lot of like that new wave of American heavy metal like scene and the 
And then even like the uh, the new metal bands, they broke to another level because yeah, because like Slipknot was still well, like, and then Lost around. and Found by Mudvayne was coming out around that time. Yeah, uh, that was two thousand four. So yeah, that would have been same year. So everything coming out around that time, Mastodon doesn't really fucking fit in, but uh, they kind of surpassed all that. They're really like it. Kind of proves that if your music is just that. Un- if it's that undeniable level of quality, you're gonna stand out. Yeah, even. like basses. Like, does this have loud guitars? Yeah, good. And for mm-hmm. me, just the final argument for Leviathan that that is the establishing factor. Like that's the like record. Nothing sounds like it. That is something that the, is. That's true. the record that pushed them to the trajectory through everything else. So I mean, when you when you're talking about that in 2004, I mean, you've talked about that year a lot. That'll probably be a podcast episode. Honestly, that that would be. I- Huh, funny that that would be a good episode because I was thinking I'll make a YouTube video about the year 2004 well, in music. 2004 was a very pivotal year in metal, and uh, this record is one of the pivotal. I mean, as you said, with, there's so much that year with really. the decorating. We'll have to have a podcast that could be like at some point in the future, yeah. do like a 2004 year in music podcast. So, so uh, that time, goes to time, the, time to get to the negativity. The negativity of shared negativity that we both. This is rare, I think, that we'll both have a shared worst. Basically, the dud. And sorry for all my snorting. My my nose just just decided to keep dripping here in the last twenty minutes. So. All right. Yeah, but the dud uh, record of the discography for both of us uh, in here would be their latest record that they just came out with in twenty twenty one. I yep. think it came out. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, titled "Hushed and Grim," the double album that they released. Uh, let you well. Do you want to go first, or should I go first with this one? I, I will say there's not a lot to say, and that's the biggest problem. Uh, it's long. It doesn't really take you on a journey, musically or lyrically. There's nothing like inherently bad about it. But what what is there to grab you? Because, like, I, I remember I, I got about five or six, because I, I listened to it here in the past few days when we decided, all right, we're going to do the episode. I was like, all right, is this bona fide my least favorite? I got, like, five or six songs in, and I was like, yeah. And then I looked at the runtime, and I was just like, I don't, I can't do it. Yeah, this the one. The runtime's like, what, 120? 126. A. It is a double album. We're in the TikTok era, and <laughs> we're, we're talking about a bunch of long records as it is. They usually average all about 50 minutes. Which is, as is. yeah, they they put out longer records as it is. And then you just put out a longer record, but there's just not enough. There's no, I mean, I don't feel like there's any of the diversity. I don't get any of the visualization that I get from a lot of the other This albums. is also my least favorite album cover. Of uh, that's what I was going to say. The album cover doesn't even fucking inspire. It's gray and bland. Comics. Which, I mean, hushed and grim. I mean, it matches the name. Yes. But I actually don't even know what the like concept story behind it. I know I've read it before, but whatever it's supposed to be did not stick with me where I could remember it. Yeah. I remember freaking Crack the Sky, Astral Projection, going into the past to fight the fun Rasputin and kill the Tsar shit. I remember that, <laughs> but I don't remember anything from the story of Hushed and Grim. I mean, yeah, like, I just want to be hushed and grim about this record. <laughs> like, I, don't, I don't want to be, I don't, and like, I don't want to be too mean on it. Because again, it's not offensively bad. There actually, when I re-listened to this record, uh, 
I was realized there was parts of it that I enjoy more than I thought. Uh, when I first went back to listen to it, the first four or five songs actually have some a lot of enjoyable parts to it. Uh, I remember, though, when this record was first being teased and first coming out, I remember the singles not grabbing me and making me a little bit worried when the first singles, because the first singles that came out, the very first single was uh, Pushing the Tides. And this one was uh, one that has, like, uh, it's very simple by massive standards but mastodon has done simple before they had the I mean, uh, show, show yourself, yourself. Yeah. i mean and even like, i mean even the mother load the end of the day like the yeah, mother load's like a very their, their era of songwriting is a lot simpler really, this is kind of like mother load-esque in composition but like not anywhere near as complex it doesn't have the big guitar solo at the end it doesn't have as soaring of a chord it does have a soaring chorus from bron daler again but it's it's hooky enough, but it's like something that it's like a watered down version of what they normally do. Everything this record offers has been done yeah. way better. Because like at, it at has some like some nondescript verse vocals from Troy Sanders, and then it goes to like the uh, the chorus with Bron Taylor on it. Nobody's playing anything technically complex or all that interesting, and it didn't really stand out that much. Uh, the second single that got released was Sickle and Peace, the third track from the record. That one was... That has a very awkward composition where it feels like the chorus is tacked on just for the fact of having a chorus. And the chorus itself isn't that great either as well, which was disheartening. And then the one legit song that I do listen to all the time from this record is Tear Drinker. That is a good song. Tear Drinker does hit. Which, as I just pulled it up... Their Spotify top five is one song from five different records. Yes. Which, again, just speaks to the strength of the entire discography. Yeah. Like, because not many bands can say that. Usually, most bands have, like, it's usually one of their early records. Whatever. I mean, the the greatest bands of all time, I mean, they're going to have multiple. Yeah. yeah, Like, there's just not many bands that can say. Our five most listened to stream songs are all from a different record. Yeah. Each. And even with they you had newer records, all had stuff. Show yourself from like Emperor Sand, Oblivion from like uh, Crack the Skies on there. The Motherload from uh, Once More Around the Sun. And even on the newest record, so Tear Drinker. I say if you look at the top 20, it's probably like two or three off everything. Yeah. So they have a good mixture across your whole discography of what their favorite tracks are amongst your fans. Which goes back to what we're kind of talking about with just crack the sky in general but i I would say most of these records are record experiences uh and again that's just a fucking sure fucking sign of a great band but yeah the the ultimate dud the number six is iron tusk number seven steam breather from uh, from emperor sand so it's still switching out yeah more than i could choose actually their next one from the newest record that's surprising. This might just be the newness. And then High Road from like uh, Once Around the Sun. Yeah. And then it goes to I Am Ahab back to. The, so it's it keeps switching records yeah. throughout their top ten. So it's they've it's staggered throughout their whole uh, discography that they have there. But and I would think that if you ask a hundred people their top five mass down records, it's you're gonna get different results. Yeah. All the time. Uh, which is something I say about the band Death all the time. That it's just the sure sign of a sure sign of a great band. If you ask somebody their top five, and it's always like a altered top five or whatever, there's something there. There, there's a lot there. Uh, 
So, like I said, uh, we we've gushed over him. Uh, yeah, I feel like if Hush and Grimm was trimmed down to be a single album, turned down to be like a one album, fifty or so minute release, we wouldn't have the lack of enthusiasm for this record that we currently do. I feel like it would be viewed in a better light. Yeah, if they trimmed the fat and they definitely like made it the best of what was there. Uh, it could probably be held in higher regard. Yeah, because not to mention, like, there's so much to chew over with, like, this. Huh, funny enough to have a song called More Than I Can Chew on this record. It'd be better if they You're could. You're a fucking wordsmith. Yeah. Like, if. I feel like it would make it where people would focus on the shorter amount of songs more and it would allow people to enjoy them better. Uh, because that would be a uh, better way to uh, enjoy the best songs of this record. So I'd say we still have the final grade for the overall uh, discography. And we're, and we're doing this high school style. So. High school style with the overall grade. So what grade uh, high school style would you give the Macedon discography? It's not perfect. And the newest record is like the biggest example of that. I, the debut with how my list ends up. It's not as strong as a lot of debuts, in my opinion. Uh, all day I was saying A, I'll actually drop it down to an A minus. Which again, you you're getting into college, but it, and it's hard it's, it's hard to even say A minus. But I just feel like if I put it at an A plus, then where do you go from here? And I definitely have bands I like more. Yeah, uh, this is just the mutual one that we love pretty fucking great. Uh, so I, I drop it down to A minus just because we got to go from somewhere. So I, I can't I can't give it a perfect score. A seems still a little like for 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 me to not like Hush and Grimm as much as I don't like Hush and Grimm, and for kind of how I feel about uh, remission after I really kind of broke it down, it's still a fucking great record. But like when you put Hush and Grimm as a D <laughs> and maybe like remission is like a B B minus personally, you bring the average down when there's a lot of A and A pluses there. So I, I'll give it an A minus. And uh, like I said, we might grade Grady's on a curve as we go. <laughs> Possibly. But uh, a, a minus for the first episode. Uh, I will say that uh, for my grade, uh, I actually also will give it an A minus. Like I said, Mastodon is my favorite band. I would gladly give it an A plus if not for Hushed and Grimm. Because Hushed and Grimm does bring that average and down. It's so damn long, more. it's like two records of bad. <laughs> yeah, it's it is a double album, which brings it down to two records of bad. And it's 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 the first disappointment disappointing album really uh that I'd say either of us had really as like our more mature selves as far as like music listeners uh but yeah i'd say a minus from both of us i mean Maybe haystack we, we, we've never shows. we've never talked bad about any mastodon records so the fact that we're talking bad about any of them it's, this is the one so if you have like one bad album amongst eight over a 23 year career uh i'd say you've done pretty well like i said that's why you're going to cut co- you're getting into college you might not be going to yale Oh, they go to yell, but you go to college. Yeah. 
So, yeah, that is our grade for Mastodon's overall discography, which leaves, what should we do for our next episode? We each picked three bands, put them into a hat uh, with little slots of paper on them. David's shuffling them around right now. And by all means, y'all, leave your comments, leave your fucking suggestions. Because we do this for you Drop them in our inbox. You know us personally. A lot of y'all do. If there's enough of an outcry for a specific band for us to do, uh, we shall do that eventually. Or we can at least throw them in the hat. Yeah, we can throw them in the hat as well. Like, to have them mixed in. Uh, but please, over five records, obviously. Yes, like, please, uh, a band that has at least a at least five albums minimum. And know that if they're on the classic variety, we'll get to them. Yes, because the classic bands have a lot of albums to comb through. We're familiar with a lot of classic bands of note, but it would take some while to do some research to really refresh on where we would rank their records at. So I believe that leaves what uh, what band should we pick for the next one? Dave's picking hat, and what oh, is the band going to be? My my oof oof, it feels so good. He's shoveling. That is my hat he's doing this and makes it even a little bit. Uh, I feel like he's going to like nut in, his hat, nut in my hat. Yeah, this is my favorite hat, too, by the way. This is my doom hat. <laughs> it's my handwriting. It's your handwriting. All right. What is you pick? You pick one of your. What do we have for the next episode, Mr. Langley? They're going to fuck you up. Oh, joy. What? I, I have no idea what this is going to be. Oh, well, you should. Uh. Municipal Waste is going to fuck you up! <laughs> Municipal Waste. Okay. Which I, I should have guessed that was going to be one you might pick. As a as a victory for me, I get to do one of my other favorite bands. Yes, another favorite band. Uh, that's going to be one. I also do. I also am a fan of Municipal Waste. I have not listened to their entire discography yet. I'm mostly familiar with... Of course, The Art of Partying Which and their two most recent records. I'll suggest just keeping the rest of these handy. Yeah, because we'll put those uh, back. We made, we, I mean, we, I think we made good content. I, I like all three of mine. Uh, one of mine was one I wanted to dive deeper into. But for me personally, this one's going to be fairly easy. <laughs> Do you like Mine are ones that I know that you're familiar with. And well. uh, there might not be as much to say. <laughs> Because it's municipal waste. It's just a waste. Like I don't know how, I don't know how deep into the descriptions I can get with municipal waste. But hey, fuck it, we'll get a quicker episode out of it. Hey, we we possibly can because this one is going over the two hour mark now where we currently are. So yeah, let's wrap that fucking shit up, man. Next episode of album ranking with the heavy haystack. Municipal waste. Municipal. Fuck you up. Municipal waste. The Richmond, Virginia Thrashers revivalists of note. Uh, so with that said, uh, let us know what you thought of the episode, drop an email, drop a comment onto one of the heavy haystack socials. And if you want to have your music played on one of the regular episodes of the heavy haystack podcast, just send an email to the heavy haystack at gmail.com. Uh, make sure that you give the podcast five stars on Apple, Apple podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts at, and make sure that you tune back in with us as well. This should have another episode up in a week, uh, whether it be an album ranking episode or if it's a some usual news and singles uh, review episode. Uh, we shall let you know that in the very... You'll know that by within another week. 
trying to get these all out weekly. Been doing good about that. That's been a New Year's resolution for me personally to get a podcast episode out per week. And I feel like having David here has definitely strengthened the quality of these podcasts as well, I would say. Shit. Nobody compliments me, so thank you. <laughs> I'd say that they're much more interesting. Well, the last episode proved that, hey, people want to listen more when you got two motherfuckers talking on it and you title an episode Wiener Choke <laughs> as well. I don't know something I forget how many listens but um, the yeah let's say that's about it for this episode of the heavy haystack podcast uh, I'm Dante that is David Andrew Langley over there and our opinions absolutely fucking suck our opinions suck fuck us but listen to us but fuck us so with that said peace love music and we shall see you all next time deuces